From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about gig speed internet or other popular plans. With Xfinity, you'll enjoy faster downloads and a better streaming experience. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Welcome, weirdos. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is Weird Darkness. Here you'll find stories of the paranormal, supernatural, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. If you have a dark tale to tell, you can share it with me at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. And be sure to subscribe if you've not done so already so you don't miss future uploads. This episode of Weird Darkness is brought to you by the Nocturnal Readers Box at thenocturnalreadersbox.com and be listening at the end of this episode as I give you a very special deal that they are offering only to Weirdo family members. Now bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness. I heard this story from my mother a few years ago. My mother and her first husband were in Idaho in the mid-1960s camping out. They were sitting around the campfire talking when they finally decided to get in their tent and go to bed. They both got into their camping bed and settled in to get some sleep when all of a sudden they saw an incredibly bright light that illuminated the inside of the tent as though it were daylight. My mother and her husband opened the tent door and looked outside. She followed him and they looked around and they could see everything with no shadows at all. My mother described it as though she had been asleep and woken up at noon. When they noticed that they could not see a source of light, they started to get freaked out. They tried to find the sun, but there was no source. Then suddenly the light disappeared and they were left in the darkness. Neither of them ever saw anything like it again in their lives. It still freaked my mother out to tell me the story 30 years later. It was in 2008. I was working for this doctor as a certified nurse's assistant and was also rooming in his home from which he had a private practice. One day I was painting in the living room when I heard someone crying. The doctor came running down the hall at this crying noise to see if I was okay. Later that evening the doctor and his daughter went out to dinner. I was tired and decided that I would take a bath, but as I began to undress I heard a lady crying. I opened the bathroom door, but no one was there. I went back into the bathroom and the same thing happened again. So I looked again and this time I saw a lady with all white hair and she said, you can't leave him. To be honest, I thought that maybe I was just tired and so I finished my bath and went off to bed. That night I had a dream 
of a boy climbing through the window in the sitting room, and he said to me in the dream that everything was okay until he signed the paper. I told the doctor about the dream I had, and he simply ignored me and changed the subject. Later in the week, I saw the boy again in a dream. This time, the little boy came out of the closet and attacked me. I told the doctor about this, and again, he changed the subject. This happened a third time later that week. I must have fallen asleep, and when I did, I dreamed that I saw the boy come out of the closet, and he said to me, Oh, you are still here? The boy tried to put a pillow over my head, but I fought him off. I told the doctor again what I had dreamed, and again, he tried to change the subject. I told him not this time and that I was leaving. He called his daughter and told her what had happened and that I was leaving. She came over and I also told her what had happened. She told me that the room I was in was her little brother's. He had a brain thing going on and her dad eventually pulled the plug on his life support. She showed me a picture of the boy and I thought I was going to fall out of my seat as it was the boy in the closet in my dreams. The doctor's daughter asked me not to leave because I could see and they needed my help. I told her that they needed Jesus and I left, leaving my Bible open. I never want to experience anything like that again. In about 1976, I moved from the Chicago area to Minneapolis to live with a girlfriend. I'm originally from Topeka, Kansas, and now live out east. Anyway, we were renting a Victorian house with another girl from our high school and a couple, he being older and a spy working for the Army, ours. This Victorian house was on Lindale Avenue, and it was totally haunted. The ghosts, as we were sure there were more than one, were very active. My then-girlfriend would see this old man standing behind her in the many built-ins with mirrors and when turning around would see nothing and upon looking back in the mirror, he would be right there again. This ghost would stomp around at night, open doors and windows, even in the winter, and always an hour or two after we all fell asleep. One night, I got up to use the bathroom, and as I was headed back to our bedroom, we always left the bathroom light on, someone was standing in front of our door. It was an old man, short, with a beard, and I thought at first it was Walt, the army spy and sometimes boyfriend of this hot farm girl from Illinois we were going to school with. Anyway, I walked to within a few steps of this old man asking, Walt? Walt? Well, then I realized it was an old man older than Walt. Walt, who was much older than us anyway. I stood there petrified for what might have been two minutes but seemed much longer. I could see him perfectly, but right through him as well. At some point, I lunged and he disappeared. I ran into my girlfriend's room and grabbed a gun that I'm sure I was too young at the time to own. After hearing my overexcited story, she was like, what are you going to do? Shoot a ghost?
My family owns a hunting camp up near Atlanta, and we go there each year for a week or so. One year, my father invited a few of his friends and their families. The house that we owned was built in the 1800s, and my father had rebuilt it from a ruin. The previous owner's name was inscribed at the back of the house in a large stone near the foundation. His name was Albert. Each year, weird things would happen in the house. Items would go missing, strange noises, a weird sound that sounded like gunfire, all kinds of things. That year, we put some of my dad's friends and their families up on folding lawn chairs in the den. A few nights into the trip, several of the guests complained about a deep, loud scream coming from the living room. One of the guests turned the light on and to his horror found his wife being eaten up by her own chair. The chair was actually bending her body and wrapping around it. It took three grown men to get the chair off her and that family left the following morning. My father always said it was Albert and that his ghost took a dislike to the man. His wife was disliked in my father's friends' circles, and maybe the ghost took a dislike to her, too. When I was 12 weeks pregnant, I began to bleed and the pregnancy ended. I was devastated. Years later, I got pregnant again. I was about five months pregnant when my husband and I started hearing running sounds upstairs from my bedroom to the landing and down the stairs. We could also hear the handrail move as it was directly next to the living room where we were at. There was never anything there when we got up and looked. This went on for a while and then baby things that I had bought went missing, toys, etc. Then one day my neighbor came over to me as I got out of my car and asked who was in the house as there were apparently children laughing and running up and down the stairs, she said. This had gone on for some time, she also told me. I explained that no one was home as I had just finished work. I went inside and all was quiet. I then told my neighbor that I too had heard noises many times. She said that she had got scared when she heard her son talking baby talk and found that her one-year-old son had got out of his cot and through the stair gate and gone downstairs one night. When she turned the light on, he looked as though he was holding someone's hand, but as he turned to look at her, his hand dropped to his side. She told me that she was calling a medium in to see what was going on. She knocked on my door a few weeks later to tell me what the medium had said. The medium had told her that there were children in the house. One child belonged to her and the other one belonged to me. He asked the children their names. The boy said nothing, but the girl said she belonged to me. She said her name was Rebecca and that she was seven years old. I went cold at this news. I ran upstairs to get my old diary and went back to the day that I had lost my baby. We worked it out, and indeed, that child would have been seven, and there next to it, I had named her Rebecca. You see, I always knew it would be a girl. Not even my husband knew that I had written this information down in my diary, and when he found out, he went as white as a sheet. 
The medium told my neighbor that we could ask them to leave, but as they belong with us, that was our job. I just asked them to be quiet, and they were. When my son was born, the baby monitor picked up children chattering, although I couldn't make out what they were saying, but it sounded as if they were playing. I heard this on a couple of occasions. Then I heard my bathroom door slam shut one day. I never heard them again after that until one day, a few years back, when she would have been 18 years old. I had the vacuum cleaner on and was thinking of her, which I often do, and in my mind I said, I love you, Becky. And no word of a lie, I heard, I love you too, as if she was directly behind me. She hasn't gone. She is always here. I just hear from her from time to time. I bought this four-story stone house and farm almost 11 years ago. 4,800 square feet, high ceilings, six fireplaces built in 1805 and on the National Registry of Historic Places in south-central Pennsylvania. I'm a carpenter and specialize in historic renovations, having moved here from the D.C. area to fight an ex overseeing my son. That didn't go well, as you can't fight money. That's another story, anyway. When I went to closing, I told the couple that I was buying it from that I would be disappointed if there was no ghost. She laughed and said the ghost smokes pipes and cigars and makes a lot of racket but is harmless. I had lived in a very haunted house in Minneapolis when I was young, and I like ghosts. About a week after moving in, we got hit with an ice storm, and I wasn't going to D.C. in that, and so I was lying in bed, reading around 10 a.m. I could suddenly smell very strong cigar smoke. This is a farm with other houses a block or more away, and it's January, so the windows are closed. I got up and said out loud, I know this is your house, but it's mine too, and I don't smoke, and would you please smoke outside? After that, you could smell his pipes and cigars on one of the three covered porches. About every three months, he would smoke in the house again and would have to be reminded, although lately he has been more obedient. He walks around a lot, and I've stopped walking around with a gun when I hear him as I train border collies to herd sheep and no one could walk up anywhere near here without one of them raising hell. It was 1984, and I was about six years old at the time. It was the first time that I realized that I had this third eye. In my younger years, I saw a lot of creepy things, but this one, I could say, was my first. My Uncle Al had just died in a car crash a few days ago. We were so very close. He used to play with me and even made a swing for us to use for an afternoon nap. One night, a day after his funeral, I just can't understand my feelings when I was about to go to bed. I had this urge to open my eyes, even if I was too sleepy. For three hours, I just stared at the ceiling and the windows. Then I prayed to God, Lord, help me to fall asleep, because I was so tired. 
And suddenly, when I looked up to the sacred heart of Jesus' image on our wall, there I saw the face of my uncle, who just departed, happily looking at me. I felt scared, but relaxed, and then I closed my eyes and fell asleep. About 10 years ago, I was staying with one of my friends and her family in Memphis. They lived in an old house and I have always gotten the creeps when I was there alone. One evening, I went to a movie with my friend and when we came back late, we walked into the kitchen and to our amazement, we saw an old woman standing against the door. She was almost bent double and up against the door as though she were listening. She turned looked at us and smiled. I walked toward her and she disappeared. It was freaky, but that spirit didn't seem to mean us any harm. Myself and longtime friend and co-founder of all my paranormal groups, including my current one, NIPR, Andre Brust, used to play beer pong at a bar in Hanover Park, Illinois. It's there I met Andre's friend, Chuck. After a few different times of meeting and talking to him, Andre lets me know something scary is going on at Chuck's home and that the guy wants us to come investigate. I agreed. The good? We arrive at Chuck's townhome in South Elgin. Camera, laptop, digital recorder, and flashlights ready to go. We get inside and shake Chuck's hand, film a little intro for a video for our Facebook page, and get to work. It is still daylight, so we get a walk through of the home. We are informed that just recently a candle with a glass frame was picked up and dropped to the floor, shattering most of the glass. We go up the stairs, a room on the left where his bed shakes in the middle of the night. You turn to see a long hallway, bathroom straight across with two rooms on the left. The furthest room to the back left, right next to the bathroom, was Chuck's office, where most of the activity happens. As soon as we get into that room, the feeling gets heavy. Picture your eyes watering after getting smoke in them, the hairs on your arms, neck, and legs sticking up, and the sense of the room getting smaller and smaller. We go back downstairs where Chuck draws a picture of what he sees walking out of his office. It's not a happy drawing. Chuck then explains orbs flying down the stairs and shooting around the room before going back up. We get some more notes, then his wife comes home. I won't give her name for reasons of confidentiality, knowing what she has been through. My then-fiancé was sitting at the dining room table, setting up Audacity on my laptop and getting the camera ready while we take the tour and gather info. We find out quick from Amber that Chuck's wife is a sensitive medium. As Amber says, she just spoke of things only Amber knew from when she was little. Chuck then enters to explain his wife is in fact gifted. 
I never judge or brush anyone off, but part of the job is to make sure claims are real. She basically reads my mind, and with just a few personal words, she explains that I'm not only sensitive to the paranormal, but recounts many events I've had. She is the real deal. She explains that the nice spirit was perhaps Chuck's grandma, since much of the furniture was hers and she just passed away. It was given to Chuck. The darker spirit was that of her uncle, but there were more than two spirits there. Something even darker. Darker forces are not new to me, so I didn't mind. My fiancé was pregnant, so before my kid was born, I was doing as much paranormal investigating as I could. It got dark, and we were ready. We headed upstairs, Andre recording with my camera, and myself and Chuck heading into the bathroom where a candle with glass was just picked up and dropped. We set the EVP recorder on the bathroom sink by the soap and leave the camera recording on it, but facing out towards the hallway as well. I have Chuck ask a few questions, one being, if this is you, uncle, or if you know me, would you like a beer? We then all go outside for five minutes and wait to see what happens. Sitting outside, we get to know everyone better and actually are having some good fun. These are good people. They're my friends. We go back inside, yelling up the stairs that we were coming up and making noise. Andre taking pics, we grab our equipment when Andre begins to freak out. Dude, I'm grabbing orbs everywhere. I even recorded on my phone, and there are 100% orbs. Excited, we hook up our digital recorder to the laptop and play back audio on Audacity. Instantly, the first question Chuck asked about having a beer, a deep male voice says, yes. And throughout the EVP session, we get many responses and voices, some very scary. Plus, something was touching the digital recorder. Chuck couldn't believe the audio evidence and the orb evidence, even asking if we were messing with him one time. I go to reassure him before his wife kindly interrupts to yell at Chuck, assuring him we are legit and thus making us all laugh. It was validation for him that I see and hear everything, as he was not as in tune to the paranormal world as the rest of us were. We concluded the night and assured Chuck we will be back. That was the good investigation. We stopped by Chuck's house a few more times and even filmed for my award-winning web series and indie film trilogy, Mental State, but we never really investigated fully and never returned for an investigation. Sadly, for the next two years, I wouldn't be back as my child was born and I did not want to put her in danger. But as time went on, Chuck started seeing the paranormal more and more his wife getting sick and people not being able to stay the night there without getting scared and leaving. Then, almost two years to the day, enough was enough and we had to return. It was late, around 10 or 11 p.m., the latest we ever stayed there, and once again, we caught EVP and orbs. We couldn't stay much longer as our kid was at home 
in the house started making us feel sick. During the EVP, something literally took my breath away. Andre captures a picture with a red orb in it, which isn't a good sign. He also caught video of himself walking out of the EVP room where an orb flies toward him while exiting the room. Chuck explains that the house has become darker since the last time we were there, and we do our exit interview. Then, out of the blue, his wife starts yelling at the stairs, telling something to stay there and telling us to go outside. This is the bad times. She continues to yell at the dark spirit and tells us, including her husband, to stay put. My fiancé starts staring at the wall blankly. Andre, suddenly on the verge of tears, screams and tells us something just flashed in his head, bad images, and a voice told him to break his own neck. He was sitting by one of Chuck's grandmother's cabinets, a cabinet that suddenly had black stuff forming in it, something Chuck confirmed with a professional that it wasn't mold. They would wash it away and then it would come right back. Chuck's wife lets out a yell and looks over to us as I get that pressure feeling in my chest again. Andre stands up, crying, then suddenly a former team member turns pale and runs to the bathroom, throwing up many times. It is then I pick up my camera, start recording to inform viewers what was going on. Andre already out the door, my fiancé heading that way herself. We say goodbye as clearly and quickly as we can as Chuck's wife and niece begin yelling at the spirit to stay. You can see the whole video on the NIPR Facebook page. Andre is missing. We call for him and look around campus until he runs up from behind us, stating he left his phone inside and that Chuck's niece was crying horribly when he went back in. We all get in the car and head back to the base. I then bless everyone with holy water and ask the Lord to protect us, but we all felt drained and sick after the experience. Something that really hasn't happened like that before. The next morning, still feeling drained, I spend the day with good friends and fellow filmmakers. During this time, people would ask me if I was okay and I would tell them what had happened. I would talk to Chuck from time to time, only hearing how things were getting worse. We never went back to investigate there, fearing for the safety of myself, my child, and others. I recommended the next step, getting the house blessed and cleansed of the truly apparent evil, and when that happens, Andre and I will gladly be there to make sure the people who clean the house of evil are real and to be there for our friend. Paranormal investigating can be dangerous, and I caution all of those who enjoy it to be safe. We all know the most tragic maritime story of all time, the sinking of the Titanic by an iceberg in the North Atlantic Ocean on April 14, 1912. However, what many of us may not know is that over the years, there have been many strange stories centered around the ill-fated ship. The most reported story has been that involving the Titanic exhibit, 
which is housed in the Georgia Museum and which travels from one major city to the next, giving people the opportunity to view many of the once lost artifacts from the monumental wreckage. The exhibit is reported to be haunted. Ghostly apparitions, disembodied voices, and strange footsteps have been reported at many locations on the Titanic exhibit tour, and volunteers who work at the exhibit claim to have experienced an eerie presence around them while walking through the artifacts. These reports cannot be so easily dismissed, for it is quite often the case that spirits do attach themselves to certain artifacts and haunt whatever location houses them. This could well be the case with the Titanic, for obviously, unlike haunted properties, it is no longer actually standing but has left behind many artifacts which could quite easily have been left with supernatural potential. It is not known for sure just how many ghosts haunt the Titanic exhibition. More than 1,500 people went down with the ship on that fateful evening of April 14, 1912, so it could be any one or any number of those deceased souls. A spokeswoman for the aquarium, Megan Gibbons, has expressed her belief and the belief of many volunteers working on the exhibit that it is, in fact, haunted. One visitor to the Titanic exhibit with her daughter and four-year-old grandson firmly agree. According to the story, while viewing the first-class quarters, she and her daughter thought little of the young boy's repeated questioning, who is that lady and what is she doing? They assured him that there was only a dress laid out over the love seat, as if waiting to be adorned. It wasn't until they heard later that the TAPS ghost hunting team was investigating paranormal activity in the Titanic exhibit that they believed the boy had experienced his first ghostly encounter. Many visitors to the exhibit claimed to have experienced an eerie feeling as if being watched or feeling an immense sadness around specific objects or areas of the exhibit. Most assumed it was a general somber mood evoked by the 1912 disaster, but as more and more reports come in with similar claims, a lot of people are starting to give these reports credence, including the TAPS team of paranormal investigators from Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters. The TAPS lead investigators, Jay and Grant, strongly believe that the Titanic exhibit is haunted. After a lengthy investigation, which aired on the 97th anniversary of the ship's tragic demise, the TAPS team found sufficient evidence of paranormal activity, including an eerie EVP recording. They were seated in a room trying to communicate with the ghost and asked the spirit if it wanted them to leave. The voice distinctly replied, no, please wait. Unfortunately, Jay and Grant could not follow up on the questions since they did not hear the voice until later when the evidence was being analyzed. In 2012, a group of ghost hunters marked the 100th anniversary of the Titanic's sinking by traveling out to the exact location of the ship's sinking and searching for any residual impressions left behind from the incident. The group, appropriately named DEAD, D-E-A-D, direct evidence after death, hoped to achieve results mainly from the use of sophisticated EVP recorders. Their spokesperson, William Brower, 
said they would be recreating the atmosphere of the doomed Titanic's last hours by serving up the same meals and listening to the same type of music heard on that fateful night a century ago. One of the group, Angelica Harris, regarded this as a fitting tribute to those that died, including her great-uncle who was aboard. The supernatural incidents revolving around the Titanic could be attributable to residual impressions which are often left behind after an event of extreme trauma like the emotional trauma experienced by all those people who went down with the Titanic. Do you have a dark tale to tell? Fact or fiction, you can share your story at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. You can find links to all of the stories in this episode in the show notes. This episode of Weird Darkness was brought to you by the Nocturnal Readers Box, now an official sponsor of Weird Darkness. If you're a horror fan, you'll love it. As a subscriber to the Nocturnal Readers Box, every month you'll get at least two horror books, one new release and one previously released title. You'll always get a bookmark and a custom art print that is only available in the Nocturnal Readers Box. These are not shiny, glittery quotes. They are actual artworks commissioned per the theme each month. They always have seven or more items in the box every month, too, often more. And if you subscribe now, you'll get the May Nocturnal Readers Box themed Who Made This Bloody Effing Mess? Featuring items inspired by Joe Lansdale, Robert McCammon, Anne Rice, Richard Lehman, and a very special wearable that you don't want to miss. Subscribe today at thenocturnalreadersbox.com. And there's a special deal just for you, my weirdo family. You can get 15% off your first subscription up to six months by using the promo code WEIRD15. All one word, no spaces. WEIRD15. That's WEIRD15. Sign up now at thenocturnalreadersbox.com. That's thenocturnalreadersbox.com or click the link in the show notes. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. Thanks for joining me in the Weird Darkness.